You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! And you are indeed listening to The Dice Men Cometh. We're here for episode 339, and it's quite a momentous occasion. It is! Not because of one certain dead Betty. Whoa, Black... That, not Black Betty. Dead yeah. Betty. Uh, look, I'm not sure we should go there. Was her name Betty as well? She had a lot of names. <laughs> but this is our first real episode that is not recorded in the Edge Radio studio where we can talk about whatever we like. We can swear our silly little heads off. Oh, no, we can't because we're going to give them the file afterwards. So if you're listening to this on Edge Radio 99.3 FM, welcome to the Dice Men Cometh. My name is Mark. My name is Leon. And I'm Garth. And this is the show that is all about tabletop games. Anything you can do over, under, on, in, through, possibly a table. Involves rolling dice, moving chits. Chits. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Meeples. And all that kind of jazz. But like you said, we're not in Edge Radio anymore. What does that mean? Does that mean we've picked up sticks and gone to a rival? No, 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 no. We are in Garth's shed. Hey, this is Garth's studio. It is Garth's oh, The yeah. highest of high technology equipment here. We are sitting around the soundboard with three mics and headphones and all that high fancy stuff that Edge and every other radio station has. Yeah. And one of the amazing things, Garth and Leon, is incredibly, we were able to afford this equipment because it's bloody expensive thanks to our very kind Patreons that we can now thank live to air on Edge Radio and also here in our own little studio because we're allowed to mention it now. Yeah. So thank you so much to those very generous people that support us by giving us a little bit of their money every month. Now, not only do they get to feel good about the fact that we can record this episode and sound like professionals, have lots of crazy sound effects... (laughs) and that but also i don't know if you're aware they get a free episode every month what that goes for well most of them seem to be going for about two hours but that does have sweary bits yeah very much an after dark fun times and arguably we've done five of them so far possibly my five favorite episodes ever because we get to drink and swear more which is the thing we weren't allowed to do in the radio well that's right and the the distance of an episode how long it goes usually equates to how quickly we can get through a bottle of red (laughs) each or some whiskey or some something or other so it might start off quite professional but by the end of it yeah oh my god you'll you'll know for me episodes are like my children i love them all equally Except that other one. Exactly. Yeah. And you've got 339. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a complete lie because the Patreon ones have been absolute gold of late. Although we just must say that this isn't the first episode we have recorded in here, Garthy boys. Because obviously, I said, we've been recording the Patreon ones in here. But uh, with this new equipment, I mean, we recorded the last episode in here. And we do have to apologise to our patrons because it, it didn't sound that great at the end of it. Because we, we were just learning the equipment. So we do have to apologise. We tried our best. We, we think we've improved it a lot. But... It is a process, people, so it's going to take some time. There are a lot of buttons on these things that you've got to try and figure out. So <laughs> yeah. we've we've done that. We've adjusted things. We've done a lot, a lot of testing. Yeah. But the proof will be in the pudding, and it is Mark who edits it. So if there are any issues with it, send all your complaints yep. to mark at mark.com. Well, also, the good news is, is there's no excuse for me to push the wrong button anymore because I'm nowhere near any of the buttons, Garth. No. Yes, yeah, so we should cheer that. Oh, that was oh, the, that's, that's the wrong oh, one. See? 
anyway, let's quickly talk about our episode this evening. As I said, episode 339. So, Garth, you're going to tell us about a very tricky game. It is tricky, tricky, tricky. And it is magic, magic, magic. It is a game that none of us had ever played before. Well, none of us had ever tried to teach any of the other of us before. Well, but I was very fortunate to win this particular mm. game in a BorderCon raffle. Mm. Um, Leon, I, sh- I look forward to trying to teach this game to you because I know it's something that you've tried to you know, show a little bit of interest in in the past, but just yes, you know, it was the f- to pull the trigger. It was the first thing I ever bought on Kickstarter and I attempted to teach it to a very drunken lad by the name of Garth and Trent. <laughs> it didn't work out too well and then I sold it soon after that and nobody's played it since. So we'll- Oh, I've played it now. You have played it now, so that's good. So you're going to tell us about that. So, I yeah. bought a game like that once to a... Drunk Garth and Trent. And I think I didn't teach a game after that for about another two years. I was so devastated by that uh, by that experience. Well, I just soldiered on and kept buying more and kept teaching more. <laughs> exactly. And took the more appropriate response and just sold the game. Yeah, and exactly. So then once we're finished talking about Tricarion and Leon... The, which, by the way, is the first time we've said the name of the game. Oh, yes. <laughs> then we, we were... We were Going around it, but yes, Trickerion's what we're going to talk about, mate. And then, do you know, Garth, it is tricky to rock a rhyme to rock a rhyme that's right on time. It's tricky, it's tricky, it's tricky, 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 and it's trekking through time. Wow. Because that's the game if that Leon's going to tell us all about. If there's ever been a solid use for that 30-second skip button, <laughs> just heard it right there. Yes, I'm going to tell everybody about trekking through history, which we had a chance to get to this exact table only a week or so ago. So it's- that's what we're going to do. And although we're not going to be cutting to a song, Edge Radio might be, but we're not going to be. We're going to be coming back in a second because we're going to keep a little break because we're going to keep pretty much the same formula for these normal episodes that we normally do. Because it's tricky, 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 tricky. Yeah, okay. Oh, my God. So, anyway, this is The Dice Men Cometh. You may or may not be listening to us on Edge Radio. So, if you are, hello. If you're not, hello. Don't forget, we have Patreon. So, if you like yeah. what you're listening, jump onto Patreon. Just type in The Dice Men Cometh and you'll see our smiling faces. It's so good. Hi, I'm Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games, and you are listening to the Dice Men Cometh podcast. All right. Are we allowed to start talking about a game now? Yeah, we can give it a crack. All yeah. Right. So I'm going to go first yep. because we've been talking up this game that none of you have played or ever showed any interest in before. You would say that. And you know what? So does your face. <laughs> so the reason Leon may be a little bit grumpy, annoyed, upset, because, all of the other seven dwarves, whatever because, their names were. Is it because I'm awake? It's normal because I'm awake, I'm in those states. <laughs> is that apparently Leon tried to teach us the game, and by us I mean myself and former Dice Man Trent. I don't remember this, so I'm not convinced that it actually happened. Yeah. I think Leon is just pulling something out of somewhere to say that it occurred. Yeah. Like a magician almost. I, I Yeah, I don't really recall it happening either. I pretty much cut it from my memory. <laughs> So, look, in the game of Trakirion, we are all in the city of Magoria. Or Majoria, it doesn't say. You know how they say that you can tell someone smart if they mispronounce words because it means they've learnt it by reading it instead of hearing it? No. <laughs> so, let's just call it Magoria because Majoria sounds a bit weird. So, this is the town. You're all rival magicians. You have got this one famous ma- magician, Dalgard. Woo! who's a guy there um, you're trying to impress him and the way to do that is over the course of seven weeks running the most spectacular magic shows that Magoria has ever seen but you start as a lowly one trick magician 
And that's it. A one-trick position in a one-trick town. No, a four-trick town. A four-trick town. If there are four players. Do you start with a pony? No, but you <laughs> do start with one of the three different types of assistants that you can have. Missed the trick there. <laughs> but it's not trick-taking. Uh, it's trick performing. It's trick-making. Trick-making. So in this game... It's tricky. And I was... As I've said, very lucky to win this at BorderCon and not just any old edition of Trakirion, the Super Mega Collector's Edition, which is massive. You know, it's about as as thick as a Gloomhaven box. It's not quite the overall size of a Gloomhaven, but let's say it's about two-thirds for, for good measurements. We had to buy some extra luggage, didn't we, to bring it back? We did. We did, actually. It was quite the feat because all of us won something, and that was quite nice. Yeah, it was lovely. None of us won that silly, bloody, trivial pursuit. <laughs> yeah. <that's, laughs> Someone did. Let's forget about it. Well, they did, and then it got left in Albury, I think. Yeah. So, look, in this game, as I say, each each player is going to be playing a rival magician, and the goal is to become the most famous. You're playing for fame points. Now, this game is very, very, very heavy, if you have the collector's edition, but also very, very, very heavy when you look at the BGG rankings. It's about 4.2. Ooh. So that shares the weight with a lot of Lacerda games in in the rough sort of scale of things. So it's quite a heavy game. It's also quite a long game. So while I have the collector's edition, which does add in every single thing, it adds in the academy, it adds in apparatuses, it adds in solo mode, which, you know, if anyone wants to buy it off me, let me know because I'm not going to play the solo mode. Um, Didn't play with any of that stuff. I wanted to play the base base game because I was playing this with um, you know, Trent and Carl, and I didn't want to overload three brains when we we're going through this complicated game. Leon, I would suggest maybe you know just teaching it with three. Oh, okay. Yep. I, I have, so what kind of state were, were Trent and Carl in when you tried to teach them? Well, they? pretty good, actually. Really? Yeah, they were behaving themselves? They were behaving right? themselves quite respectful. It was really quite, quite a good overall viewing. It's good to see some people have grown up in the last five or six years. <laughs> So anyway, the only expansion that we did include was called the Dark Alley. Now, the Dark Alley is an initial expansion that came out, but is really part of the fundamental base game. So I will include it as such. Now, in Trakirion, there are only a few main areas on the board. There is the downtown area where you'll go and um, pick up some new apprentices and new workers to help you out. You'll go to Dalgard himself and learn a few new tricks. You'll also go to the bank and try and get a bit of money. Mark, downtown, that's also a song. You can sing that too. Downtown. No, stop it. We're not in a radio studio anymore, Mark, for God's sake. I'll save it for the break. I'll do the B-52s version. Hey! That's wonderful. So that's when you go downtown. Otherwise, you can go to the market. And the market is where you buy the stuff you need for the tricks that you're going to perform. Mm-hmm. They're like a little ferrety type creature, right? Compare the market. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. We're not doing sponsored ads by then. Oh, no, we're not. So you might go, okay, well, I'm going to perform the rabbit out of the hat trick. I better go and buy a hat and a rabbit because otherwise, how am I going to do <laughs> yes. it? Uh, you'll then have your own individual player board, which is your workshop. And that's where you're going to keep the tricks that you know. Uh, It's where you're going to keep all the components that you've bought at the market. It's also where you're going to have your apprentices and your assistants working out. And it's where you're going to most importantly keep the tricks that you've learned. Then you've also got the dark alley. And the dark alley is just somewhere where you go to manipulate the game a little bit. And I'll tell Mm. you more later on. Uh, And then you have the theatre. 
Uh, sorry, FYI. Dark Alley is definitely the name of some heavy metal song that I've forgotten about, so I just want to put it in here now before somebody comments on such. All right, fantastic. Well, I'm sure Mark will sing that too later because he loves death metal, as, as we all I are. thought Garth was going to press one of those fancy buttons we've got now. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's definitely, yeah, that's definitely like, the Dark Alley mm, song. Come down to Dark Alley. we got some <laughs> special tricks for you. So you go to the theatre to perform all the tricks. So while this game is really considered to be quite heavy, the heaviness, I think, is in... Your soul. No. In the fact that you need to go to one location to get the stuff, come back to your workshop to put it all together and turn it into a trick, to perform it. And it's it's actually getting the maximum synergy out of all of that because you don't only just want to perform the bog standard tricks like pulling a rabbit out of a hat, you want to go up and perform hellhounds and really exciting tricks. But all of those take time and patience and components and money. And oh my goodness, money is tough. So I'm not going to go into how you set up the game, but I am going to tell you the orders of these turns because there are, as I say, seven of them. Um, Each of them is going to start by rolling dice. And there are six dice in the game base game uh, those six dice equate to the market uh, sorry the downtown area where two dice are employees that you can potentially buy so you'll roll two of those and that will tell you for this particular round who you can actually go and buy you've then got another two dice which is the bank and that'll tell you how much money you can get from the bank between three and six and then the other two die are the tricks that you'll be able to perform but not specific tricks but the schools of magic that you'll be able to learn, of which there are four. So you've got optical illusions, you've got um, mechanical tricks, you've got these other two as well. So it just gives you a bit of an idea of if I'm going to go to downtown, I need to be able to get some stuff that I can um, actually afford to buy because you need to get your staff. And initially they don't cost anything except for action points, but they're going to cost more at the end of each round because (sighs) you've got to pay your damn staff. Oh, no. Oh, God. Now, thankfully, as a magician, you don't pay yourself because clearly it's it's a mugs game, but you do have to pay for your specialist. You have to pay for your apprentices. So while Mark going there and getting extra people, which is going to equate to extra actions, oh, yes, is the Mark school like magic in itself, you need to have the financial resources to, to back it all up. Now, after you've rolled the dice, you're then going to be setting your initiative order. Initiative order is done in reverse fame order. And fame is, again, victory points. So whoever is falling behind gets to be first player, and it goes down and down and down until you are, you know, if you are winning the game currently, you'll be the last person to activate. Just out of curiosity, I'm just looking through the book of tricks here that you've handed us, uh, Garth, the Magician's Workbook. Yes. Did anybody during your game happen to pull out the pub in a bottle trick? Oh, I had my eye on that one. I was thinking that I'd be doing that every turn. No, they didn't, unfortunately. <laughs> that was weird, but because before I tried to teach it, you and Trenton both pulled that trick. <laughs> But that was more pub in a pub because you'd gone to the pub and yeah. And I'd come from work thinking like, I can't wait to play this game with friends that quite frankly, I don't really know that well at the moment. I've only just kind of really met them. I mean, they're going to be really respectful and nice. I'm going to play this game and teach them. I was going to be a good good feeling after a hard day's yakka. Leon, I would have thought that your trick, the trick that's right up your alley would have been perhaps Iron Maiden. Run to the hills. Oh, that's that band ruined for me. Continue, Garth. Exactly right. That's ruined for all of us. Uh, Once we've set initiative order, we're then going to advertise. Now, advertising, each of you get a little card, which is your poster. Advertising is quite simply, you spend some money to get some free fame. Yeah, that sounds like life. Exactly right. 
So, you know, it doesn't do anything more than get you a bit of extra fame, which of course is victory points that you may want. However, it becomes increasingly more expensive. So whoever is the first person in the highest initiative order, therefore coming last, they can spend $1 to get two fame, which is a bargain. Or if you're second, it's $2 for two fame. Going down, it's $3 for two fame. And if you're fourth, it's $4 for two fame. It becomes very expensive because money can be very tight, mm. especially in the first sort of half to two thirds of this game. Mm. Then after we've done that little bit of organization, we go to the assignment phase. And the assignment phase is where it'll all happen simultaneously. Now in this game, each of you are going to have a series of cards that are just the various locations. So you've got a couple of cards for the theater, for downtown, for Market Row, and also for, um, keep trying to say Diagon Alley, but I'm going to say Dark Alley. I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, yeah. but Diagon Alley is, is springing to head. Careful, you're going to get a sued. Oh, yes. Uh, so you will all simultaneously place face down on your individual player boards where you want a particular person to go. So you'll put a certain card under the magician token, which is saying this magician is going to go to this area. Same thing for any of the specialists that you've got or any for the other um, apprentices that you've been able to, to get as well. Now, this is where it's a really good point to stop and talk about how you're actually going to be doing these things in the game. Because once you've all assigned them, um, simultaneously everyone will reveal them and then starting an initiative order from, from you know first down to last, you'll each do one of the things, move one of your characters to one of the spots and do a thing. So you, everyone is, they're always revealed. Like a good magic trick goes, oh, I'm going to be competing against Mark to go to downtown. And Leon, oh, you're going to the theatre, so I can do this. Blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of good interactivity um, that, that this game has and lots of excitement. However, um, you've got to understand why. It's not just, oh, you're sending your magician to this area. I, I do or don't have to worry about that. It's because each of the areas have, in a four-player game, four spots that you can go. Um, so you're never going to be bumped out of a location, typically, but the spots have different values. So if you get to go in the leftmost spot, that spot includes a bonus two action points. <gasps> If you go to the second or third spot, they both contain one bonus action point. And the fourth spot... No action points. Zero. Nailed it. Action points. <laughs> See, I remember from... You know those. games. I do. I know. Wow. You must be using this crystal wall of yours. So it really is important to get in there early because things cost action points. Now, the other thing is your characters have inherent action points. So your magician, the little magician token, has a three and a lightning bolt next to it saying... He has a default position, or she, or they, or them, have three action points built in. So if I send my magician to go to, we'll just say downtown, because it's the only place I've really talked about, go to downtown and go into the leftmost spot, they're going to have five action points to use, three from the magician disc, plus the two for being in that bonus spot. And that can be really powerful, because in downtown, everything costs three action points. So if I want to go and buy a new staff member, that's going to cost me three action points. If I want to go and learn a true trick, that's going to cost me three. And if I want to get some money, that's going to cost me three. You've got some additional actions there where for one action point, you can re-roll one of the dice to see if you get a result that is more favorable for you. Or for two action points, you can actually change the face of a die to anything that you want it to be, which is really important as well. So you can also do the same space multiple times if you've got the action points for it. So for example, there is a currency in the game that's not money, it's the Trikerion shards, which something, 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 the Trikerion stone is really powerful. You each get some shards. But the good thing is you can cash <laughs> in the Trikerion shard for an action point. 
So I send my magician, put him on the spot, spend a Trakiran shard. I've got six action points. I can now hire two staff hmm. if I want to, which is really important to note. So you'll all reveal your spots simultaneously. Starting in, starting in initiative order, you'll go one thing, one thing, one thing, do the things. I've already explained what downtown is. That's where you go and get more people, more tricks and more money. You go to the market and the market really is quite simple. It's where you're going to buy stuff. Really? There, yes. At the market? I know. Who would have worked there? There are three tiers of components to buy. You've got the basic components, all of which cost one money each. And they are things like wood and basic components that you're going to need to build, I don't know, a magic box. Who knows? You've then got level two ones, which are slightly more expensive. They cost two. That's right. And they might be things that are for the next level. Like sheep. Correct. Really? I don't know. Oh. <laughs> no, there's no sheep in there, but there are, you know, ropes and um, oil cans and a pigeon uh, or a dove, maybe. I don't know. All of those things. And then you get the level three components, which are surprisingly cost three. And they are locks and robes and more ornate things that you're going to need for your higher level books. Mm-hmm. There's only ever four components available. Think of it in the shop front. There's four things for sale. So you go there, you spend a couple of action points. You can buy up to three of the one type of, of good. And once you buy them, they're yours forever. Ooh. You don't actually have to cash in these resources to construct and learn a trick. Mm. You just need to have the components for them. Nice. You can never have more than three of each type. No tricks will ever require you to have more than three of each type. But... What happens if the stuff that you want isn't for sale? Because there's only four things there and you might want something that's not there. Well, one of the actions that you can do in that space is is go to the shopkeeper and say, hey, shopkeep, I need to buy a a bird. And they'll say, sure, it'll be here next week. And it goes into the other side of the market, which is the order section, which is basically up to four things can be ordered. And at the end of the round, they'll move over into the available slot. So that's like the online store. Basically. Yeah, it's just if you haven't paid for you know next day shipping, it's it's oh, more okay. you just have to wait and wait yeah, and wait. Makes sense. I thought you were going to say, oh no, it's not there. But hang on, Boof! and they draw it out of a hat or make it appear out of thin air. Well, Mark, there is a special order spot of which Ooh. there is only one in this particular market, and this is where that for some extra money and for some extra action points, you can magic whatever you up need right there and then. It'll only stay for that round because it will disappear at the end. Oh, magic. But if you really need the lock or you really need a bird or you just need a bit of wood, you can just get it at special delivery at exorbitantly inflated prices. If you could magic up just materials just automatically, what are you doing in the performing game? You could just be making bank by just selling these things in shop because they cost you nothing because you can just magically make That's them. right. And then you could you know, just magic up wood and then you could trade it for sheep or you can yeah. trade it for wheat. Yeah. I was thinking about magicking up a house and then you sell it and then a few days later it'll disappear, but you've already cashed in and go on to the next house. Why don't you just magic up a 3D printer that th- prints 3D printers? <laughs> Why don't you just magic up more wishes? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the market. You go there to get the stuff you need and you'll place it on your workshop. Now, the workshop is where you're going to turn all the components into your tricks. And each of the trick cards have a whole bunch of different stuff on them. So it has the name of the trick, like Iron Maiden or Hellhound or Pub in a Box, whatever it is. It'll Pub then in tell the box. you... Yeah. <laughs> this game is very metal. It'll then say, this is what you need in order to learn and do the trick. So you can have a trick that you don't have the components for, but these are the components you're going to need in order to be able to construct the trick. 
It will then tell you when you perform the trick, what do you get for it? Uh, like fame and money, which is important because you want both of those things. Um, and it'll tell you the school of magic that it's from. So it basically gives you everything that you need to know. Once you have successfully made the trick, it also tells you how many times you can perform it. Once you've performed it and exhausted the, the knowledge of it, you need to basically rebuild it again, but you've already got the components, so it's pretty easy to do. So fame and money, you say? Fame and money. Patreon.com slash Cometh. That's right. Yeah. We have the fame and nowhere to money. Yeah, no, because we spend it on all this stuff. So you go to the workshop, that's what you want to do there. Now, you do have those specialists that you each start with. There's engineers and there's managers and, and what have you, and they all give you a little bit of a bonus when you perform magic, which I'll get to in a bit but they also give you extra slots for some magic tricks perhaps or some extra components or give you a little few tweaks to, to make sure things are good. Um, the issue is you're only typically going to ever be able to learn three tricks, maybe four. Um, you can choose to forget one if you want to upgrade to, a, to another trick and you will want to do that because once you reach 16 fame, out go the level one tricks. You can now access level two tricks, mm. which give you higher returns on your fame and your dollars, higher component costs, and are going to require more um, in-depth uh, investment in, in the resources. And then once you reach 36 fame, which is only available if you're playing with the Dark Alley, so if you've got the basis of base games, you won't be doing this, but the level three tricks, which only when you have 36 fame, they cost a lot more in terms of resources. They give you a lot more fame and um, money. Some tricks at all ranks also potentially give you a Trakurion shard as a reward, which is great. Um, but the level three tricks are also end of game points as well. So they're the only tricks that even if you've not performed it all throughout the game, if at the end of the game, you've got the components to be able to create that trick, you can take advantage of its end of game bonus. And it might just be more points for doing some stuff okay so the workshop is where you get all that done then you go to dark alley and dark alley is where you can go and buy more advanced versions of the assignment cards that you've placed down so you know as i said you place down these cards face down in front of each of the characters and flip them over simultaneously and ah oh, my apprentice is going to the market row in dark alley there are these wonderful single use cards that if you use them for the area on the board that they're meant to go and do the action on the card that it's designed for it's like a super mega version of the action it might allow you to get double the money or do two actions or buy some extra stuff my assistant becomes a really good efficient shopper exactly mm. all of these things uh and that's really really powerful mm. so it is not to be underestimated how powerful that part of the board is uh, as i say they are single use um, if you choose to use them just in the right region but not on the location that gives you an action point for free as well which is always very beneficial lovely there's also the option there to adjust the fortune teller which is like a crystal ball and again in dark alley what that means is that for subsequent rounds there's going to be a little wrinkle in the game for that particular round so you can adjust that. So the wrinkle might be that every time you get one fame, you get a dollar instead. Or everything costs two at the market. You don't have one, two, and three costs. They just adjust everything for everybody in the game. It's kind of cool. But that's a bit weird, though, because it's, it's a fortune teller, right? But we're all magicians. We know that that's nonsense, right? Well, let's leave that and, uh, and park it because okay. magic is real man oh okay as his fortune telling well i didn't know that i just can't get past the fact that a lot so many of these tricks are named after songs like there's who can remember who can forget akadaka's famous prison break and um another brick in the walled up there we go 
Yes. Maybe you shouldn't have played this game. I'm glad, actually, that yeah, you didn't. Cause you should we... go into like a radio type stuff. Yeah. Thing. So then the last area is the theatre. And the theatre is where you take all your knowledge and all your skills and all your stuff and all your tricks and perform which is what we're all born to do. And buy $9 cans of Jim Boot, <laughs> whether you want to or not. Well, hopefully you get it for free as part of your rider as, as your headline act. <laughs> oh, so the, the theatre operates slightly differently. There are four days that you can perform. There's Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Sunday, because they're the show days. Now, if you choose to go on a Thursday, who goes out on Thursday? Yeah, right. No one. So you get, a ben- you get a benefit there. If you go there you will get additional action points that you can spend, which is good. But when you perform on a Thursday, because the theatre's half empty, you're going to get less fame and less money. Because Thursdays, who in their right mind would go out live to air on Thursdays? Yeah, I'm not going out on a Thursday. That's board game night. What kind of loser goes to the theatre? <laughs> so then we got Friday and Saturday nights. Friday and Saturday nights, they're, they're good nights. There's no positive or minuses. It's just you go there, you perform, you get your fame, you get your money. Wacko. Happy days. And then you got Sunday night, which is like the big night. You know, people are going out. Everyone's having a great time. They've all forgotten they've got to work next morning. So you go there, you have a penalty in that you lose an action point to go there. Ooh. But you get an additional fame, an additional dollar for every one of the tricks you perform. Ooh. Interesting. So it is good because once you've set one of your um, tokens there, whether it be a magician or a specialist or an apprentice, you are locked in for that day of the week. So once, Leon, you put one of your tokens up there, it doesn't matter whether you change your mind, you can only perform on the day that you've started with. So you put one one token on Thursday, you're doing Thursdays. Okie doke. So you're not really competing on that um, once one person has put their, their marker down. And you can't perform on more than one day? So you can't send, like, your monkey along on Thursday to pull handkerchiefs out of his pocket while you save yourself for Sunday? No. However... That would be ridiculous, Mark, because monkeys don't have pockets. <laughs> have you not seen Aladdin? Huh? Isn't he wearing a, ve- a chest? He's wearing a vest. He doesn't have a pocket. All the best vests have pockets. Um, anyway, we'll save that for our, our sister podcast. Yes, yeah. After Dark. Yes, where, we, where, where we go through Aladdin scene by scene. <laughs> in Diagon Alley. Yeah. Okay, so we've arrived at the theatre. We've chosen the day. You send your assistants to the backstage, and that's where they're going to perform. Sorry, they're going to prepare your tricks. Mm. Now, the tricks on your workshop are signified by... You can only have, as I say, up to four. The four different suits, hearts, clubs, spades, diamonds. Uh, card tricks. Exactly. And then you have a number of little chits that say this is how many times you can perform it. Now, the rules are you can never perform the same trick twice in one performance because who the hell wants to go and see one magician do the same trick over and over again? Nobody. It's called an encore. You wouldn't encore the same thing. <laughs> or, the re- or the reverse button. I'm still pulling this rabbit out of my hat. I'm still cut her in half. Uh but you can get your tricks performed by other people. Oh. So thematically, it is that you are like the warm-up act. Franchising. For these particular people. So what you're doing is there are, at the start of the game, a few performance cards out. Um, and they will slide slide along until you get you know to number of players plus one. And then they'll start sliding off whether they've been performed or not. What you want to do is move the tricks from your workshop onto those cards. And there's a couple of little rules there, but I'm not going to go into those because it's probably one of the more complicated part of it. The point being, you want to get your tricks onto these cards. You can't have the same trick on there twice. There's a couple of ways to maximize a bit of a return for your investment. And then regardless of who performs it, you're still going to get the benefit out of it. However, the performer 
whether it be myself or Marco Leon, is going to get the big bucks because they're the ta-da. Mm-hmm. So you're going to do that starting on Thursday, then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you'll do your performances in order. Um, the benefit to going on Thursday is that you're going to get to choose any of your available cards that have one of your tricks on it and perform it. So you may choose to perform a card that has one of your tricks and two of someone else's trick purely because that's the only card that they have a trick on. And if they're then performing on Friday or Saturday, Sunday, they're going to be left high and dry and basically just have to stay on stage going, look, let me pull up. Oh, I can't even do that. Where are a my pigeon tricks? out of my yep. butt. What's that? I need to speak to someone on the phone. Okay, I'm going to walk away now. <laughs> so they would be left with no tricks to perform because you have to be able to perform at least one of your right. own tricks. It's starting to sound like some sort of game. Yes. And it is really push and pull because you don't want to lose your action point when you go there to perform on a Thursday. Uh, sorry, on a Sunday. But you want to get the extra fame and the dollar that comes along with that. But if you go to Thursday and get your extra action points, it's going to allow you to put more tricks out because it only costs you one action point to move a trick out from your warehouse you're, 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 to, to, to the theatre. But oh, I don't want to lose the fame and the dollar for all of those tricks. I've worked so hard for them. It makes sense. So that's really quite interesting. And that's all there is to this game. If I, if I all said all there is. That's all there is. It's only, it's only half an hour in. Yeah. That's just only a the four point, point is, difficulty. this game has been around for quite a few years now. I'm really glad I learnt it fresh and new and had, didn't have any sort of failed attempts before. Yeah. Uh, because it requires people to be somewhat switched on. Mm. Um, no wonder you failed Leon with this lot. Yeah. However, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I love that it makes sense thematically. You loved every minute of it. Every I didn't minute. even get to the first minute. <laughs> I loved every four hour of minutes oh, yeah, that oh, yeah. was there. Four hour with three people. Yeah. And look, we weren't in a hurry. No. And we we slowed it down. And, you know, I did want to make sure that the people at the table had their questions answered because there are questions involved in any teaching. And the game does a really good like logical progression. You start on the, the lower value tricks, which are easier to perform so that you can get a bit of income and a bit of fame coming through. And then by the time you're getting into your, you've got 16 fame and you're getting your, your level two tricks, you understand it. Yeah. And then it's about maximizing, you know, the amount of fame that you're going to get and the money you're going to get by performing tricks, screwing over the competition when you can. There's only one of each trick in the game. So if I've learned Iron Maiden, that's the only version of Iron Maiden in the game. So the only way that anyone else can learn it is if I forget it and put it back into the um, to the pile. So if you've got your eye on something, you really need to get it quickly. I I really like it. I think you two would like it if you bothered to try it. Did the four hours include the teach or was it four hours plus the teach? Because <sighs> you did say the teach took about an hour. Yeah, I would probably say... Maybe it was a little bit over four hours, including the teach. Um, mm. My experience, the teach takes about three hours and you don't get to play the game. <laughs> well, what I want to know, Garth, just let me do some magic by making you shut up for a while. What I want to know is you compared this weight-wise to a Lacerda game. Like, I know when I'm going into a Lacerda that, yeah, the theme is not, you know, super integrated, but things make sense and I feel like I'm doing something worthwhile and I don't feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over and over again. Like it, it's it's not repetitive. It's almost like you never have enough turns, you never have enough actions to 
get any sort of momentum before it's over and yet it takes hours and the time just flies do you get that sort of experience how do you think because I mean, we are Lacerda fans how do you think Lacerda fans are going to relate to this uh, as a Lacerda fan mm. I think they would relate excellently to this because again in Lacerda, each individual thing that you do is not in itself complicated, but the interconnectedness yeah. of I'm going to do this because I need to do it to get to that point, which allows me to then turn that thing into that thing, which allows me to do this, which ultimately gets me victory points. This is exactly that. So, you know, for example, most of the time you might have on a, on a turn four, maybe five things that you'll be able to do okay. because you're going to have four or five tokens you'll have your magician you'll have your assistant you'll have your apprentice and maybe you've bought another assistant or another apprentice because more action points is more better and more more actions to be able to go to is more good as well however very i'll say very quickly but possibly in the first hour you will it'll click and you'll go okay i can't just focus on getting these level one tricks and performing lots of those i really need to get myself to level 16 mm -hmm. fame to get level um the level two tricks I need to be looking at the really good magician handbook that comes, there's, there's four of those in the game. They list every single trick that's there. They list a whole bunch of other useful information as well, including sort of a breakdown of the, the things that you can do at each area. But you want to go, okay, I want to perform this trick because it's going to give me right fame and right victory points, but it's also using a lot of the similar components that I've got. So I'm not going to have to buy a whole bunch of extra components to get it, but there's only one of them in there. So I need to get to 16 fame really quickly because I can see that that, that person over there has yep. got similar components and it's also their school of magic. But if I go to downtown now, I can see that the school of magic is that, that dice that's face up. So I better buy it now. Oh, it's going to take yeah, up a trick okay. slot. So... Because it's taking up a trick slot, I better really rush to then get the components I need. So I better go to the market. Oh, but the stuff I need's not there to be ordered. I better put the order in so that it's going to be available for me next turn. Now I'm going to need to get three of those. So I need to have the money, which means I've got to do a performance to get the yeah. money, which means I've got to send my magician to the theater. Now by sending my magician to the theater, which I hadn't explained before, their action points don't count for anything. They're just there as the performer. Right. So... What's That's the why point you of, might send your monkey along to sort of guard, well, guard the seat for you. Well, yeah, what's the point of sending my magician up there? Yeah. Oh, I've got no tricks. Well, now I've got to send another person backstage. If I go to Sunday, which is still free, I'm going to lose an action point. I've only got my apprentice left who only has an action point. So I'm sending them for zero. Oh, but I've got a Trakirion shard. Okay, I'll send my Trakirion shard that gives me the yeah. one. I've got... Da, da, da. So yes, everything is connected. That was a real life example. Uh, yeah, that sounds terrifying and, and but, a lot like work. But it's not because it makes sense. Yeah, so you've got to string more than a couple of things together. You've got to use synergies to build on things while at the same time making sure that other people aren't using the elements and the synergies that you want to use. Yes. Okay. And there is a lot more to it. Um, I will happily play this again. And again and again. And there are additions like Dalgard's Academy, as I've said, which adds a whole new area where instead of performing tricks, you can go and teach tricks, which don't give you the maximum bang for your buck, but they give you a passive return on your investment sort of every turn. Now, we've been going on for way too long. Mm. So I'm going to shush uh, because this is not the Garth only show, um, <laughs> although this is magical. Just to let you know, though, Garth, that if you, we do decide to play this, there's a chance, <laughs> and that chance is bordering on the 100%, <laughs> that I'm going to show up 
blitzed out of my tiny little mind. <laughs> yep. You need to be prepared for that. That's fine. Well, just listen to this episode and you know how to play. No, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Trikirion. I highly recommend it. I, I think it's great. However, you are in for an investment uh, of time and of mental capacity. I must have watched three to four videos mm. on this um, just to get my head around it because you know how there's always just a couple of things that you just can't yep. quite understand when you read in the rules and go, why does that? I get it. But it certainly paid off. And okay. I think, you know, um, Trent and Carl, who were the, the other two people around the table, did benefit from that work that I had had put in. And, oh, my God. I was I was ahead. I was so far ahead. I was like daylight and I'd got this thing and everything was organized. And then Trent and I finished on exactly the same score. Oh wow. Ooh. And it then The tiebreaker was the best looking monkey. The tiebreaker is whoever is higher up on the initiative order. Mm. And because I had started that round in first place, my initiative was lower than Trent's. <laughs> and he, won. he would have been very happy about that. But that went down well. Well, it's nice because he doesn't win much. It's very true. It's very true. You know? And if bad. anyone does look like a monkey or at least an orangutan, it's probably Trent. Oh, so uh, it was fantastic. No. All right. Well, you've been here with the Nice Men Cometh. We're going to take a short break where you may or may not hear from our sponsors. And we'll be back shortly after this. Hey, this is Stephen Bonacore of Stronghold Games, and you're listening to The Dice Men Cometh with Mark, who is the real Tasmanian devil. And you're back with The Dice Men Cometh, and now, Leon. Hello. You're going to do a bit of magic trick and oh, take no. us... I think Garth's got some more to say, don't you, Garth? No, surely not. Garth has said enough for the next two episodes at least. Yeah. You're going to do a magic trick by talking to us about a little game that we got from our friends... At Underdog Games, who've been working with our other friends, Quillsilver Games, who are an Australian company. Uh, the head honcho there is a good friend of ours, Dan May. Very talented man. But, Leon, that game is trekking through time. Yes, and Brenner is also a good friend of ours there over at Quillsilver. Both lovely Australian people. And isn't it trekking through history? It is trekking through history. I thought it was trekking through history. Or is it trekking through time? I've got written down trekking through time. Somebody should Google that quickly while Leon's talking. Either way, so this game, which is trekking through something or other, is a two to four player game. Mark? Trekking through history. Trekking through history. That's what I've got written here. But I, I just want an excuse to do Kylie and say, all you can do is trekking back time. All right. So I'll yeah. just put a mark in there for when that needs to be edited. Who yep. needs music when we've got me? Well, the other good thing is I can just press this mute button and no one has to put up with any of it. Leon. Can I talk about my game now? What game? No, it's trekking through history. Perfect. Yes, yes you yep. can. So, this is a two to four player game with which the website, the Board Game Geek, I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, says that it is best with four people, which is the amount that we played it with. Woo! And it is between 30 to 60 minutes. That's what it says on the box. And I'm here to tell you, that's about right, I reckon. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, you're interested there, guys. I am. 30 to 60 minutes. That's a sweet spot for games. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's how long you talked about Trakirian for, I think. Well, exactly. Shut up, Garth. Uh, so, it went to Kickstarter. <laughs> oh, no, we gave him buttons. Uh, it went to Kickstarter and it, wa- it, it wazed. It wazed a quarter of a million dollars on Kickstarter. <laughs> that's, that's a pause. Yes, with over 4,370 backers. 
because it was 4,371. Mm. <laughs> and as we said before, it is by Underdog Games, and it is designed by a man by the name of Charlie Bink, which is a hell of a name. Yeah, a magician name almost. And you wouldn't believe it, but he also has done games that you might know of called Trekking the World and Trekking the National Park. Oh. So I find it amazing coincidence that he's been given the nod, he's been given the run on the field, the jersey, to have a crack at trekking through history. Put me in, coach. I know I know trekking. What a weird coincidence that is. And it has got art by Eric Hibbler. Sorry if I've got that wrong. Who is famous in our little board gaming world for doing things like the Terror Below, which is the Tremors board game, which yep. looks... Uh. I think the reason why a lot of people go, you know... Uh, IP games but that game got quite a bit of buzz when it came out because it looked so good because of the art he also is another person that has done the art on My Father's Work Ah. which is a game that's been kicking around recently that has been I would like to try that yeah people have been going like a generational thing you're sort of you're playing through generations yeah and as I've written down here which Marky Boy has already mentioned that our mates Dan and Brenna of Quillsivers those lovely Australian company did pretty much everything in between they kind of did a little bit of this design that design they're good at that they're pretty much good at somebody saying I've got a board game and they're going right we're the glue that's going to stick it all together because they've been doing this for a while. And it must be said that the components in this game are pretty top mm-hmm. Yeah, Like the actual cards themselves are big and beautiful. The little tokens that you get are little and beautiful. The pocket watches. Pocket watch is cool. The, uh, the big watch that goes around and around and around is cool. And I've got a little quote here that's on the BGG from Mr. Charlie Bink. Which is, whoop, just hit my pop filter. That doesn't normally happen in the studio. <laughs> that's an interesting quote from Charlie Bink. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's famous for saying, whoop, just hit my pop filter. <laughs> So I probably sound different now than I did two seconds ago. Either way. Uh, So what he said was that he designed Trekking Through History for gamers and non-gamers to play together. (gasps) That's right. We're going to play this with non-gamers. Really? When do we ever know any non-gamers? The others. Yes. The goal was to make a game inviting for non-gamers, but with a little subtlety under the hood for the gamers amongst us. That's us. A little under the hood action. It it is. Although we are neither (laughs) subtle nor gamers a lot no. of the time. So in this game, you're going to go through three days of touring human history. We're talking about time travel tours here. I mean, I know, Garth, you used to be uh, one of those toury guide not toury guide uh, what do you used to call yourself? Well, a, a travel agent. That's the one. So basically, that nonsense that you used to do, this is like that, but like actually better. Yeah, and probably still exists. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, exactly. time travel doesn't, like my career. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. You're a bum. <laughs> now... Um, Yes. So you'll be traveling thousands of years in time, uh, of in a time machine, sorry, to experience a great moments from the past. There's also two expansions for this game, which are coming out, not quite yet, but they're coming out soon. One of them is a solo mode. So yes. good for Mark. You want to try the solo no. mode? No. Okay. Good for somebody. Uh, one person specifically. Uh, and the other is a time warp expansion where everybody gets special powers <gasps> and you can bend time around. And then once we play the first time, can we... No, do it again. No, you can't. You can't do the time warp again. Damn it! Either way. But Garth, it's only a step to the left. No, uh, it's neither of those things. No, you're just, you're all silly people. <laughs> That's the problem there. So in this game, what you're going to have is you're going to have an itinerary, which is what everybody has on a good trip. I know any time I've gone overseas, I'm like, right, we're going to go do this, 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 and this to a military time, and we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun, damn it. Yep, because <laughs> I specifically requested it. Garth used to make really good itineraries when he worked in travel. Yeah, yeah it's quite funny because I did that for everyone else except me. <laughs> yeah. I would just rock up and go, 
I'll just figure it out as I go. Yeah, makes sense. So on these itinerary, it gives you different things that you're trying to aim for because to try and get victory points or experience points in this game, you've got to try and get certain different objectives that you're going to go from different cards that you visit in your little time machine travels. So you've got your itinerary in front of you. Every round of this game, there's going to be a different one and you're going to have different goals. So on your turn, what you're going to do is you're going to choose a card. Can you believe it? What? There's going to be six of them in a row in front of you, and there's going to be various different things on this card you're going to be looking for. One of them is there's going to be a little time symbol down in the corner. That's going to be the cost of how much it's going to cost you, time-wise, to play this card. And that'll come in handy in a second, because you've got a little clock on a little a bigger clock that you've got to move around, and it's pretty cool. Also, up in the top, it's going to tell you the age that you're going to be visiting. Like the example in the book here is 500 BC, which is when drinking chocolate was first invented, which wow. is very important to me because that's the industry I work in at the moment. Was it popular when it came out, Mark? Drinking chocolate? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, you, you weren't there? No. <laughs> no, he wasn't part of the... I was busy drinking, drinking but the, not chocolate. Queen's mother? Yeah. Anywho, and then down in the other bottom, there's going to be benefits. These rewards are going to be based off various different things in this game. There is going to be personal experience, event experience, innovation experience, progress experience, wild experience, which, you know, from a game point, you can use a lot of different stuff. Yeah. There's also possibly going to be time crystals, which you could use to give yourself a little bit of time back later. So you're going to pick one of these cards and you're going to put it in front of you. Then you're going to move your trusty pocket watch on the big old clock, which is a lovely component that looks very nice. And these big old chunky pocket watch timers, which are very cool. And then you're going to collect the benefits, like I said, based on the tokens that you we I just mentioned. And you're going to put them uh, onto your itinerary. You're then going to move the card track down a little bit further, and you refill it. And then it's the next person's turn. And that's pretty much it. That's what you're doing. You're going yeah. to all these different experiences to get these different collectibles to put on your itinerary to get all the points. And, and the thing is about this game is it's a really easy teach. I think, you know, he, he's nailed it on the head where... It is completely accessible for non-gamers yes. and gamers alike. Yeah. I played this a couple of times with my, my daughter, who's 11 years old, and she, being my daughter, is into games and knows games, but doesn't play a huge amount of them. And this game was easily explained in a couple of minutes, and it all made sense. You know, yeah. Even the more complicated part of the game, which is, as you said, the, the itinerary that you're each yeah. trying to fill up, which is you, know, you need to try and choose the cards that are going to give you the right kinds of experience because you get each experience you get is a little token that needs to go in the right column of your itinerary to get you some victory points. And then, of course, the cards you choose mm. uh, need to be, ideally in some sort of chronological order. That is exactly right, Garth, because in this game, you will score victory points. Have you heard of them? At the end of the game... I only go by fame points these days. Yeah, true. Based off the size of the trek that you have, and as you mentioned before, that the way your trek is going to work is that it goes from the furthest time period away, say your 500 BC, up until current day and current modern inv inventions. So you're going to be trying to do that, and the bigger one that you get, the more points you're going to be at. So you could look at a card and go, oh, I need those resources, but that's going to screw up my trek. So what's going to be beneficial for me in the long run? But as I said, another thing that you mentioned, Garth, with playing with someone like an 11-year-old, or just anybody in general, is that every card in this game is a talking point. It's something to chat about on the table, and you go, oh, okay, I didn't realise that was invented in this time. This game is very much an advanced version of a filler game that I absolutely adore, that has kind of disappeared in our hobby over the last few years. But I'd say it's one of the original kind of micro games, which was Timeline. 
And Timeline is such a good game that we actually played it after we played this. We did. And there were a couple of people at the table who have never played it before, and I taught it in about... 20 seconds because that's all you need to do and that game all it does is create conversation and the worst thing about it replayability wise is that you learn stuff (laughs) which I know you're against learning stuff Garth I've already learned more than enough but that's sometimes what you do so you're going to be doing this Uh, you're going to be doing this over several different rounds and then at the end of it you're going to count up the different treks that you've gone across as well as the victory points you've already got on the board and whoever has had the most victory points has had the best experience in the most efficient way is going to be the winner now, I want to bring up two points, Leon. Oh, you and your two points. One positive, one negative. So they might cancel each other out equal to zero, but this is not correcting through maths. Mm. The first one being I felt like things could be very swingy from round to round, depending on that. It's the itinerary, is that right? The, the yeah. thing with the points on the bottom? Because sometimes you seem to have... You've got to like put three or four tokens down before you can even start to register any points. And then if you were unlucky with the way the cards came out because they weren't in any sort of sequence, you felt like the game could screw you over a little bit. But the turns go quite quickly, so you don't get too upset about that. And the counterpoint to that is the graphic design, the layout, um, the art on the cards, the facts on the back, and... Not just the facts, but the fact that they had chosen facts that um, highlight a lot of things that women have done through history. Yep. Not just... So it was her story as well as his story. Yep. Which is great. And I know they uh, talk about in the rule book, they made a real positive effort to do that. I think that's fantastic. Um, I could certainly... I could see this game being played in the classroom um, for sort of probably like higher primary, lower high history classes or whatever, but it just looks amazing. And I think the the art, the graphic design, the production values of this, no wonder it did well on Kickstarter because people just take a look and you can tell it's, it, it, it is a good game. Yeah, and that's the thing, is that it's very much an an introductory game. It's not There's not much meat on the bone here. It's not very difficult in the slightest. But, like you said, you could play it quite a different time, and every time you play it, there's going to be different scenarios with different itineraries, different way that the cards come out and things of that nature. So there's kind of a lot of replayability there, which I think is a nice thing. And like said, the easy, it's the teach that you can teach in about 30, 40 seconds as well. Yeah, and, and what I like about it is there are so few games that I feel that my parents would enjoy. Yeah. yeah. Even I've tried to go, okay, they like murder mystery stuff, so let's try Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, and even that's a bit of a stretch. Mm. But this kind of game is absolutely in that wheelhouse. They're fans of history, so they would know a lot of the events anyway, yeah. but it doesn't matter if you don't because the age of the event is listed on the card, and all you've got to know is that that event happened after that event, so I should put it in my track. There's also a really useful player aid that lists every card and the age that it is. Yeah. So you know if you've got a card at the at your trick that's 1347, the next possible card is 1502. Yeah. So you can sort of go, okay, well, there's a card there that's 1547. Oh, but there's only one card between those that one and that one, so I may as well take this one. It's not going to ruin up my trick. And it particularly matters with the three 
are they three ages, three... Just three days. Three days, 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 that's right, of your journey, that's right. They're all different decks. Because you can start a, a trek in one on one day and then continue in the other day, whereas the cards in the first day deck... I think they might end about, you know, like 13, 14, 1500. And then the, the cards in the second day and the third day, they're going to be later. So you can build your trek over days. But if you made a mistake and you took a card that was too high without looking at that um, little guide, you can find yourself sort of trapped having to start new treks. And the problem with that is, is you get negative points if you've got a trek of only got one a, card. Yeah, if you've got a really short trek, yeah. it's negative. But to be honest, I haven't seen it happen too much. <laughs> yeah. So the only negative I would say is that, as I said before, if you're not you're if you're sitting down with your proper gamey gamey gamer friends, they're kind of going to go after a game or two of this. They're kind of going to get the rough idea of it. Yeah. And they're probably not for them, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. But this game, like I said, is much more for a casual style game or a game that, like, if I'm a gamer, I can teach it to my other mates because every card that comes out is a talking point. So if you actually have a chat about stuff, and we've talked many times before about um, your Sunday afternoon, don't really care too much. You want to try and get your points, but I'm kind of here for a laugh. I'm kind of having having a beer, maybe a bit of a cheese board, and just kind of enjoying the company. Of the people around that this is a perfect game and perfect weight for that kind of experience absolutely yeah. and i think it would be very comfortable in one of those sort of sciencey shops yeah or a, a history shop like yep. a, a national geographic or yep, yep, a, yep. Some, one of those you know edutainment kind of shops um next to parks or or something like yes. that um i just think this this game has has got so much potential it's not cheap it no. needs to be said, but you're paying for, you know, it's got a, a rolled up neoprene board and it's got game trays inserts and it looks beautiful, but it is not cheap, especially with our Australian pesos at the moment. And it's also worth mentioning that it's not just a copy and paste of the, the previous games, like I said, the Trekking Through the World and the National Parks. We haven't played those, we must admit, but from a quick Google as we were playing this, just from the look of the boards and the way they are, they can't be the same yeah, game. It's completely... They're different styles of games. Mm. So, But if they're done by the same design team, then they've probably... And the fact that they've still been given the go-ahead to make more of these style of games in this kind of series, they're probably worth having a look at as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think it's fantastic. If you like that kind of game, go and take a look. Um, it's beautiful, it's educational, and I think it's really good for families. So anyway, guys, that is episode 339. It is. In uh, the new Garth Mark Leon studio Mm. with our new setup and our new everything, and hopefully it sounds okay. So look, thanks very much for listening. Thanks, Mark, and thanks, Leon, for joining me in my games room. I hope you've had a wonderful time. It's been outstanding. And uh, if you've liked what you've listened to, don't forget that we're active on all the social medias. Just type in the Dice Men Cometh on your Twitters and your Instagrams and your Facebooks. And obviously, if you really like what you heard, do the same thing on Patreon and type in Dice Men Cometh for just a few dollars. You get to be an official friend of ours. We'll send you some dice just for our little way of saying thank you. And you'll get entrance. Entrance, entries to our secret giveaway. And before we forget, we should say a special thank you to our very, very, very long-lived supporter, LFG in Canberra, looking for games. Check them out at lfg-oz.com.au. You can shop online, perhaps even for these games that we talked about tonight. Excellent. Well, that's it. Let's Mm. take a rest, and we will be back next time. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you.
You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg-oz.com.au for all the details of their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicemencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.